book of Romans. We'll be reading a couple of scriptures out of the book of Romans, chapter 12. It's one of them mornings, ain't it? Praise God. Let's all stand for the reading of the word of the Lord. We'll just read a couple verses. I'll let you be seated. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. The Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove, everybody say, I have to prove it, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God bless you today. You can be seated. I don't know that I'll get through with this lesson. I promise you I'm not going to try to get through with this lesson. I, wanna, I want us to settle into this lesson and find out what all the Lord has for us here today. The book of Romans, we, uh, we study the book of Romans quite often, and our text today came at chapter 12. So there's a whole lot of things that have been said by the Apostle Paul when we got to chapter 12. Um, a lot of us are familiar with Romans. He said in verse 1, I beseech you therefore, everybody say therefore. That's a big word. Therefore, what's he talking about? Well, he's talking about everything he said from chapter 1 through the end of chapter 11. And although I'm not in a hurry today, I don't feel like going through <laughs> chapter 1 through 11, but I do have us an outline today. That word therefore, it means then. It means accordingly. It means consequently. In other words, he taught them, Romans chapter 1 through 11, and then he said, these things being so, everybody say, they are so. They are so. The book of Romans, it is a much studied book. It starts out talking about sin and the need for salvation. And it's important that we understand today that the need for salvation is universal. Everybody was born in sin and shapen in iniquity. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everyone here today is a sinner. You may be saved by grace, but you started life out as a sinner. And Romans goes on to teach us that our justification is by faith or the provision that was made for us for salvation. It comes to us by faith. We can only access redemption by faith. And it's important that we understand as we study today that faith is not just believing. There has to be more to our faith than just believing. True faith is action. True faith 
has works with it. As a matter of fact, what does the Bible say? Faith without works is dead. In other words, it's not faith at all. It's just a word unless it has some action that goes with it. Show me your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith by my works. In other words, I don't just talk it. I walk it. And Romans tells us this. And because of that, because we have faith in God, and we have faith that we can be redeemed, the result of our faith is freedom. We're free from sin. God has redeemed us. He's brought us to a place where we can then live this life free from sin. The result of salvation is freedom, freedom from the wrath of God. This is what Romans teaches us. It teaches us that salvation is freedom from the wrath of God. It's freedom from sin. We don't have to be bound by sin anymore. Oh, you got to sin a little every day. No, you don't. Now, it doesn't mean you're not going to make a mistake every now and then and sin. Thank God we have an advocate with the Father. When we sin, we can go to Him and He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. But that's not an excuse to say, well, what, what sin am I going to do today? Hmm, let me. <laughs> we have a lot to choose from, but we should choose to not sin. Why? Because we were redeemed. He brought us out. He, he saved us from sin. He saved us, and our freedom is from the law. Everybody say the law. The law in the Old Testament was a schoolmaster to bring us to Jesus, to bring us to Christ. We don't do away with the law, but we don't just follow the law. If you've been here any time at all, you've heard me say, we don't live by the list. Is there a list? Yes, there's a list. But we don't just go, okay, if I do this, 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 and this. No. I want to get the spirit of it in my heart, and then the list just shows up all by itself. We have freedom from the law. Thank God we have freedom from death, spiritual death, emotional death. We, we have been redeemed. We have to remember with these freedoms, this is what's so, so sad about the state of our country. America's a free nation. Not, not anymore. Why? What happened? Why do you say that? Because everybody wanted to do away with the law. And we're losing our liberty. Freedom, liberty has laws. And when I was a little boy growing up and when some of us were growing up in school, they taught us the spirit of liberty. They taught us what it was to be an American. They taught us what it was to be free. And we got that down inside of us. And we were proud to be an American. And then the enemy slipped in and began to make those things that gave us our liberty seem bad. And they took them away. And all of these laws that they have taken away now, you're, you're seeing our liberties be taken away. Let's apply that to the Spirit. Yes, we're free in Christ Jesus. But that doesn't mean we don't have laws. That doesn't mean we don't have things that we have a responsibility for. Freedom comes with boundaries. The Bible talks about the bounds of our habitation. Our habitation is in God. 
but our habitation has boundaries. And if we want to abide in the habitation of God, we can. Everybody can. But we don't get God to come outside of the habitation. We get into the habitation and there are boundaries. Romans goes on to teach us. I'm talking about, I'm giving you the Reader's Digest, very condensed version of Romans 1 through 11. It lets us know that the Jew and the Gentile can come to God. We got any Jews in the house? We're all Gentiles. And if it wasn't for the fact that he let us in, none of us could be saved. But thank God he did. The scope of salvation is everyone, everywhere, at any time. God chooses. That's important that we understand that. This is what Romans teaches us. God chooses to save us. He didn't have to. He, he, he's not bound to. He's a just God. And before Calvary... He didn't have to do anything. But thank God, way back before he ever created man, he already had the plan in place and he knew he would. He chose to do that. He chooses to save those that believe. And Israel was given the opportunity and they, they chose to trust in their own righteousness. And both them and us, we can have salvation because He chose to save us. And that salvation is through faith. Again, true faith hears and obeys. When we're a hearer of the Word and not a doer, we're like a man who sees himself in a glass, turns and walks away and quickly forgets what manner of man he is. But when we look into the perfect law of liberty, I'm trying to weave all this together as quickly as I can today. We look into the law of liberty today. We can have salvation through faith, and that true faith hears and obeys. And then he said, I beseech you, therefore, because of all of this, because salvation is available because you can have it through faith because if you will obey the gospel you can be redeemed back to God and your habitation will no longer be a habitation of sin it will become a habitation of righteousness therefore because of that he said I beseech you therefore that means then Accordingly, consequently, these things being so, because of that, this word, therefore, it shows up in Scripture again and again, and sometimes in other words, 263 times it is used as therefore, 197 times it's used as then, 18 times it's used as so, You've learned all this so, right? And <laughs> it's used 11 times as and. It's like Paul saying, come on, God gave you all this. So what are you going to do with it? <laughs> and what are you going to do about it? Eight times, wherefore, 
What brought about that, therefore? If we look at the end of Romans 11, Romans 11, verses 33 through 36, the Bible says, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. It's deep. Think about how deep the wisdom. Think about how deep the knowledge of God is. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. You trying to figure God out, you're going to drive yourself crazy. You're not going to figure out the ways of God. I just don't understand why I have to do this. You're never going to understand it. Best thing to do is fall in love with it and learn it. And down the road somewhere, you'll look back and go, Oh, that's why. For who hath, verse 34 of chapter 11, who hath known the mind of the Lord... Or who hath been his counselor? God, if you just do it this way. I know, you, I know you're God, but you know, this is this is my problem. And come on now, I'm trying to get where we live. You don't understand God. <laughs> really. <laughs> now I've said it. I'm not the only one in here. We've all been in places where we're like, God, you know what you're doing? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> or, verse 35, Who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him again? God's got everything because he's God. <laughs> for of him, verse 36, listen, For of him and through him and to him are all things. There is nothing without God. To whom be glory forever and ever and ever and ever <laughs> and ever and ever. Amen. Praise God. So this is where Paul says, he says, the depths and the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Who can know the will of God? What Paul is calling for here is no more and no less than the appropriate and expected, everybody say expected, the appropriate and expected response to God's mercy as we have experienced it. It's kind of like he's saying, duh, we were lost, we were undone, we had no hope, we were without God, and yet he chose to come where we were and dug us out and gave us this great salvation. So, therefore, because of this, we should present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Everybody say, that's why. Why do we live the way we live? That's why. Why do I not go certain places? That's why. Why do I make sure I'm at certain events? That's why. Why do I not allow certain things in my home? That's why. Why do I make sure certain things are in my home? That's why. Therefore, because of this, we present our bodies. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living 
sacrifice. Everybody say, I have to do it. I can't present your body. Now, when this thing's over and he winds it up, we'll all stand before God and the Bible says, I'll present you to him. That's what the Bible says. But I can't present your body. I'll stand. We'll stand together. I'll present you. But I can't present your body. You have to do that. Your spouse can't present your body. You have to do that. Your children can't present your body. You have to do that. This has to become personal. We have to get to the place in this church thing where it's not about the collective, it's about me. It's not, now it is about the collective, it is about the body. Yeah, we got to have each other. We can't live without our fellowship and our brothers and our sisters. But somewhere, we have to decide we're going to present ourselves to God we have to do it ourselves and we are presenting ourselves as a living it's important that you understand everybody say living a living sacrifice why what's a sacrifice a sacrifice is something that was placed on an altar and burn up for God we go back and we look at the altars in the Old Testament. Noah builded, the Bible says, an altar. He had to put some work in it. He had to make a place where he could present his sacrifice to God. Abraham built an altar. He actually climbed a mountain. Right? He, climbed, he was willing to give up his children. I believe, I've been taught this, I believe the reason God asked him to do that was because his ancestors presented their children to Molech. And God was trying to see, are you willing to come out of the world of your fathers and come to me? Are you willing to give to me what they gave to Molech? And it was a test. We know it was a test. A test, It. it the test wasn't over when he said let's go the test wasn't over when they started the climb the test wasn't over when he built the altar the test was over when he drew the sword what was that it was an act of his will and God saw I know he would have done it he's not just talking about it he was in the process of doing it and the angel said wait until you get to the place. See, sometimes God is going to ask things of us. And we're like, God, why are you asking that of me? He's God. <laughs> That's what he does. We present our bodies a living sacrifice. Why do we have to say that? Because we're not talking about suicide. In the age we live in today, in the realm of the, the, the world we live in today, I must explain. We're not talking about killing our body. 
literally. We're talking about our will. I don't want to be misunderstood in this. Why? Because somebody will go home, get in their closet with a twenty-two, and say, oh, Pastor Wood said i got to kill myself. Oh, don't ever do it. You, you laugh. Some of the things we've said that have been taken so literally, and I'm like, really? <laughs> I'm not talking about killing yourself. <laughs> Physically. Your, your living body. I'm talking about killing your will. I'm talking about taking your spiritual man to this altar. I'm talking about taking your will to this altar. I'm talking about getting yourself to the place that you eradicate your will. It can be there no more. It, it, it can't be, well, I agree with that, so I'll do it. I don't agree with that, so I don't. That is not killing your will. I love how God works. I got up this morning, and in these shoes, yes, I cleaned them off. I forgot to put my muck boots on before I got ready to leave for church. I went out to the chicken coop to let the chickens out. And they all come out, and I'm trying to hurry because I'm coming to church. And I look in there, and there's a rat under the coop. It's my fault because last week I went out to my coop and there was a mouse. Follow me. Go with me. I hope you can understand this. There was a mouse in the coop. So I got online and I asked Mr. Google Pants, is it okay to have a mouse in your coop? And I found an article that said, sure. There was a bunch of them said no. There was a bunch of them said disease. There was a bunch of them said this and that. I read an article that said chickens are omnivores. They'll kill it and eat it. Oh, good, I don't have to do anything about it. This little mouse in my coop. And I did it. A week later, I went out there and there was a rat in my coop. I could have said, well, a rat's just a big mouse. It'll be all right. I could have. I could have said, well, it's just a rat. No. I knew better when it was a mouse. I should have taken steps when it was a mouse. So I went in the house. I went down in the basement. And I got my twenty-two. And I went out to the pen, and he was still there. And I didn't want to get down in the mess with him because I'm in church clothes. And the bottom of my coop has quarter-inch panels. So I just stuck the barrel of the twenty-two in one of those panel holes, and I aimed and shot, and I missed. Imagine that. Now, I didn't hit the panel and mess up my coop. But I missed. Now I could have said, well, I guess God didn't mean for me to kill that rat. No, I knew I needed to kill that rat. So instead of giving up, I loaded another one. And I opened the door. And I got down in the mess where the rat was. And I looked at it and I said, you're not going to mess with my chickens. 
I got the spirit of Hannah on me. <laughs> and I took better aim, and I killed the rat. And too many times we come to prayer, and we got a little mice in our spirit. We got a little mice, a mouse. We got a little mouse in our life, and we're like, oh, it won't hurt nothing. I've seen so-and-so that goes to church over there, and they do that. I did that one time last year, and God didn't strike me dead. It's just a little mouse. I, I read in the Bible where God's not happy with that, but this is 2022. I don't think, I don't think you have to do that. It's just a little mouse. It ain't going to be long. You're going to have a wolf rat in yourself. It's going to grow. And I'm encouraging you today. If you got a mouse or a wolf rat, or a honking possum in your chicken coop. Deal with it. You might miss the first shot. Shoot again. Ammunition's expensive, Pastor Wood. I'm a preparer. I got plenty. I'll give you some. Call me. That's why you got me as a pastor. You shoot at it and can't kill it, shoot at it again. If it keeps growing, call me. That's why you have me as a pastor. I'll help you eradicate that varmint out of your chicken coop. But you got to do it. You have to present your body a living sacrifice. You have to take you to an altar. They took those animals to those altars in the Old Testament and the Bible says they would tie them down. That's what the horns on the corner of the altar were for. They had horns that they had built on the corners of these altars. Why? Because they'd throw that joker up there living and they'd tie it down and they'd cut its throat. Why? Because it don't want to die. It's up there flailing on the altar. Yeah, get me off the altar. And that's what we do when we try to kill our flesh. Our flesh says, and it gets worse. It was a cute little thing when I led it to the altar. But when it found out I meant business, it goes to kicking and bucking and snorting. You're not going to kill me. That's why when you're trying to get right with God, it gets harder. That's why you lose your mind when you're trying your best to live for God. Because you don't want to die. What happens at an altar? One thing happens at an altar. Death. And until your will, my will, until our will dies, we're not dead. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Romans chapter 5. Remember we said Romans 1 through 11 led us up to this. Romans chapter 5 verse 12. Wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. You've got to understand sin is death. Death by sin and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. Everybody say that's me. For unto the law sin was in the world until the law, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. 
Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned, after the similitude to Adam's transgression. Everybody died. Why? Because of the sin of Adam. Who is the figure of him that was to come, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man Jesus Christ, that abounded unto many. I'm glad and thankful today that one man messed it up and one man made it right. And I'm not the man to make it right. I'm the man to accept that it was made right and submit myself to the rightness of it. The rightness, the righteousness of it. And not as it was by one that sinned, verse 16, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. You've got to have Jesus. That seems like such a silly thing to say to a Christian. But too many people, too many people have learned to live this life without Christ. And when that happens, death begins to reign, and our spirit begins to die. Therefore, as by the offense of one, verse 18, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Jesus's sacrifice on Calvary was enough to handle you. You don't need nothing else. Now, there are things that we have learned to use as tools. I'm not saying you don't need, uh, uh, well, I don't have to pray this morning. Pastor said Jesus did it all. No, we have to pray to keep ourselves dead. Well, pastor said, Jesus, all I need is Jesus, just me and Jesus. No, you better be fasting. Oh, I just, I'll hang Jesus on the rearview mirror of my car, and I'll drive all the way to heaven. No, you won't. <laughs> I'm not talking about things that we use in our lives that help us keep ourselves crucified. Okay. But if you ain't got Jesus, the Bible says you're none of his. You can't do this without Jesus. You ain't man enough. You ain't woman enough. you got to have Jesus. Well, Jesus tells me things I don't want to hear. You're exactly right. <laughs> That's why they call it dying to self. Verse 20, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded... Grace did much more abound. Everybody say, I don't deserve it. It is the unmerited favor of God. We don't, none of us deserve it. 
We didn't deserve it when we came to God. We didn't deserve it the first time we messed up and came back to God. We didn't deserve it the second time we messed up and came back to God. We didn't deserve it the 100th time we messed up and came back to God. We don't deserve it today. And yet he said, here's the altar. Tie yourself to it. Die out to self. And you can be a part of the body. You can come into the bounds of habitation. Sounds so easy, doesn't it? Until you try to tie that thing down. <laughs> Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness. Everybody say righteousness. Unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. We experience God's mercy as a power that exerts a total and all-encompassing claim upon us. He don't want just part of us. He don't want just want us Sunday morning at 10.30, Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. He wants all of us. Therefore, because of all this, He did all this, so He expects all this. You see that? Grace now reigns over us. Everybody say reigns. That means we ain't boss. That means he's boss. That means he sets the rules. That means he sets the time schedule. That means he sets the domain. That means he sets everything. Grace. I don't deserve it. That's right. But thank God we get it. Grace. I messed up again. There's an altar. Grace. I have an advocate with the Father. Grace. He's my propitiation for sin. Grace. Grace now reigns over us. It is therefore entirely fitting that our response to this, so and our response is to be one that is equally total, everybody say total, and all-encompassing. There's not one nook or cranny of our lives that doesn't belong to Jesus Christ. Why? Grace, mercy, Calvary. The presentation of our entire person should be as a sacrifice. Therefore, because of that, so present your bodies a living sacrifice. You have to learn to do this. It's not easy. Oh, that sounds so easy. No, I'm telling you, it ain't easy. But I'm also telling us today, it's required. To maintain a right relationship with Jesus Christ, we must continually put ourselves on the altar. And we're presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice one way. Holy. I don't get to choose how I present myself to God. Therefore, 
because he did all this, as I present myself this living sacrifice, I have to be holy. Why? 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Everybody say mind. This is the battleground. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Everybody, we stand up here and we say, I'm glad I know who Jesus is. Do you? As obedient, verse 14, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. When we come to God and He allows us to repent and He baptizes us in Jesus' name for the remission of our sins and He fills us with His Spirit, we belong to Him. We call Him Father. Are we obedient children? You know how I like to flip. Right? Uh, I'll flip a verse around to help me understand what it's saying. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. If I wake up and I begin to fashion myself according to the former lust, I have become ignorant of the grace of God. I've lost it. And it should scare the death out of me. It should scare me to death that I begin to do things God saved me from. It shouldn't push me away from God. It should cause me to run to God. Therefore, because of, so I'll present my body as a living sacrifice. Verse 15, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all, everybody say all, all manner of conversation, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. He's a holy God. It's not my holiness. It's His holiness I walk in. It's not my righteousness. I can't make myself righteous. I have to present myself a living sacrifice. And He raises me up in the power of the Holy Ghost to have the ability to present my body in His righteousness. Verse 17, And if ye call on the Father, who without respect of persons, say, God loves me. Say it. Everybody say, God loves me. Don't let the devil tell you you don't mean nothing to God. Don't let the devil tell you you can't live for God. Don't let the devil tell you you're a loser. You'll never be. You're here. If you call on the Father who without respect of persons judgeth according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot, the sacrifice that was made for us was perfect. It was without spot, it was without blemish, it was without any such thing. And God robed himself in flesh and came and walked among men and hung that flesh on a cross. I heard somebody say one time, you want to know how you ought to treat your flesh? Same way God treated his. He killed it and hung it on a cross. That's a living sacrifice. 
Hope this is helping somebody today. Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Verse 21, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God, not ourselves. God. Seeing ye have purified your souls. Everybody say, I have to do it. How do I do it? In obeying the truth. How do I obey the truth? Through the Spirit. Unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Yes, it does. And the effectual fervent love of your brothers and sisters affects much. Not just in them, in you. Because you can't love your brothers and sisters without being right with God. Leave me alone. Well, I'm just trying to pray. Leave me alone. What's wrong? I'm not right with God. I don't want nobody messing with me. <laughs> but when I get right with God, brother, I want to pray with you. Oh, thank you so much. When you can receive it. Oh, I, I don't have time to talk about that today. Me and Brother Rogers got to talking about this on the way home from the other morning. You don't know how to give love till you learn how to receive love. And I'm trying to help somebody today learn the way to receive the love of God is to kill your flesh on an altar. And then you'll be able to love. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently, being born again. Not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible. By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Your help is in the word. Reading the word, studying the word, the preaching of the word, the listening of the word while you're riding down the road. Put it on when you go to sleep. Get it. Put it on. Let it play in your bedroom as long as your spouse doesn't want to really kill your flesh because they can't speak, they can't sleep with stuff playing to get you some of them earbuds or something. I don't know. I'm just saying it works. Play scriptures in your home. Put them all around your home. Let it be what you see. For all flesh, everybody say mine. For all flesh, verse 24, is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. Yet we're not going to change it. The calendar's not going to change it. The city we live in is not going to change it. Oh, come on, somebody. The word's not going to change. Well, I, I'll go over here to church because they... It, the word ain't changed. Well, I'll just I'll just root up and go over here. The word ain't changed. The word is forever settled. But the word of the Lord abide endureth forever, and this is the word. Everybody say the word. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. The gospel, the true gospel. What is that? The good news of what? Salvation from what? Sin through what? Calvary. 
Who's Calvary? His initially, and then through mine. He's only shed his blood once and for all, and it's available. And we got to do a little crucifying ourselves. That word holy, I looked it up because I wanted to know. I wanted to make sure. I didn't want to get it wrong. I thought I knew what holiness was. I did. But I wanted to make sure. <laughs> that word holy, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. It means sacred. Well, what does that mean? This is the three definitions I found of that word sacred, which describes holiness. You ready? You want to know? <laughs> Plug your ears if you don't want to know. You're thinking to hear. That word sacred, which explains holy, it means physically pure. That deals with the outside. It means morally blameless. That deals with the inside. And it means ceremonially consecrated. That means how we live for God. So here's holiness. I'm a holiness preacher. I'll be it till I die because God brought me out with this holiness. What is it? It's how I live my life physically pure. I shouldn't let my body do anything that's not pure. It's morally blameless. They can't nobody read your thoughts. The devil can't read your thoughts. God can. Are they pure thoughts? Oh, Lord, I might as well give up. Let me try to help you. Yesterday, I had an impure thought. Matter of fact, I had a couple. But, Tony, we was at Mule Day. The world don't know how to live pure. My eyes see that lady walk by. A thought goes into my mind. And I have a choice. I can either follow her on. I, I got to go work at this gate. <laughs> or I can say, nope, that's not pure. And I bring it into captivity. I catch it. You got to catch it. And I put it away. You can learn to do that. And it'll happen like this. Until you learn to do it, you have to make yourself do it you may already be on the way to that other gate and remember oh wait oh, what am i doing are you backslid no you didn't commit the act you caught it well do i have to come repent for that thought you have to change the way you think is that not repentance Well, I messed up and I went on through with it. I failed God. You have two choices. You can stay down and let the enemy browbeat you and condemn you and tell you you'll never live for God or you can come to an altar and you can present your body a living sacrifice. And you say, God, well, 
I used to say, God, I messed up. Now I say, I'm back. Here I am again. He already knows we messed up. He already knows we failed him. But I come in faith to the, to the throne of grace. And I say, God, I'm so thankful that even though I don't deserve it, your mercy is here waiting on me. Will you please cover me in your blood? Will you please wash my mind? Will you please restore within me a right spirit? Help me, God. And I don't get up from that altar until he does. How do you know? Go learn how. Because it's different for everybody. But you'll know. You'll know when the weight of that mistake. Well, you know what? I heard somebody say one time it wasn't a mistake. They wanted to do it. You'll know when the weight of that choice goes away. Because you chose. No, I couldn't help myself. Uh, we're going to put you in a little rubber room somewhere. <laughs> yes, you can. Yes, you can. And if you think you can't, you need to get in your mirror in your bathroom and say, yes, you can. Yes, you will. Just don't let anybody hear you doing it. <laughs> Come on, I'm talking about, and I'm, I'm going to stop here because, I, I, like I said, I'm not in a hurry to get through this. I'm trying to help us understand this is living for God. This is how you make it to glory. Because all of this is available. Because He did all this for us. Therefore, present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy. And if the Lord tarries, we'll talk about it being acceptable to Him. Let's stand. Lord, we thank you today that you did everything you've already done for us. You loved us enough, God. You knew we would need redemption. And you went ahead and put things in order so that we could be made right with you. God, I, I pray you'll help us today understand that we have a part in this too. That because of everything you've done for us, we ought to live for you with everything we have within us. God, we thank you today. I ask you, should you tarry, be with us in the remainder of this service. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen.